Although, I must confess, newborn on-fire Christians have a fervor for the things of God. Thanks for joining us at The Hope of Our Calling. Let's get started in our study of First Peter. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Hope of Our Calling. It was quite a long and lengthy holiday season with many ups and downs. And for those of you who uh, were aware of our loss during the holidays, I want to thank you so much for your love and your prayers, and uh, just praise God for the family of of Christ. Thank you so much. All right, so turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, and tonight we're going to be going through verses 1 through 3. As we begin, we are immediately met with the word wherefore, and we realize that we're in the middle of a thought that Peter is conveying. And my pastor, Pastor Chuck, instructed us on a rule that whenever we come across the word wherefore, we're to find out what it's there for. So we have to back up to find the beginning of this thought that Peter is conveying to us. And that would be found in chapter 1, starting at verse 23. He's about to talk to us in chapter 2 about how we're going to grow in the things of the Lord. But as a new creation in Christ, as 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, growth starts with our birth into Christ. And that comes through the word. So when we look at chapter 1, verse 23, we read, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, speaking of our moms and our dads and our grandmoms and our granddads, all the way back to Adam and Eve, who fell from righteousness into sin and unfortunately corrupted the seed of man, which we are today's descendant of that. So being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, because now we're born again. We are new creations in Christ. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And once again, we have reestablished that spiritual connection with God who gives us his Holy Spirit, his spirit, the very spirit of God. He gives to us, places him in our hearts that we might hear his voice saying, this is the way, walk in it, because his job, the Holy Spirit's job, is to guide us into all truth. So we've been now born of incorruptible seed, and it comes by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever, 
And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, and now now that we've learned that we are born again by God's Spirit and by the Word of God, how do we grow? What do we do with that? And he starts off in verse 1 of chapter 2 by saying, Lay aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So now we know what that wherefore is there for. And we move into the meat of our teaching tonight. When babies are born, they need milk to survive and to thrive. They crave it, and they're very vocal in letting us know when they need it. But that passion that they cry out for with, excuse me, that passion that they cry out with to be fed is what we should be spiritually As born-again believers, we should spiritually be craving the spiritual milk so that we can grow and mature in Christ. Nobody wants to be the same baby believer they were when they first came to Christ. Although, I must confess, newborn, on-fire Christians have a fervor for the things of God. And Jesus said that we are to return to the first works, do the first things over again when you find your walk with the Lord growing stale, because we can become accustomed to the grace. We can be accustomed to the blessings. We can be casual about the promises, but we're to work out our salvation in fear and trembling, meaning we need to be aware of everything the Lord is aware of about the things that pertain to life here on earth. And he is not shy in disclosing that to us throughout his word, Genesis to Revelation. But the enemy is going to do everything he possibly can to distract us, to cause us to open our word and instantly become exhausted and tired and sleepy, or to be at church and to feel that sense of, oh yeah, been here, done that, and you find yourself nodding off. It is up to us to keep things fresh, and we do that by our devotions in the things of the Lord. In these first three verses here, Peter's addressing our appetite and our desire and our cravings. And in it, as Skip Heitzig says, he gives us three instructions that will curb our fleshly appetites and train up our spiritual appetites in such a way that it maximizes our growth as believers. And what he talks about is that we're to be mindful of the things that we've tasted. This is found in verse 3, where it says, If you have tasted that the Lord is gracious... Our problem is we have a tendency to forget. If you read 
in the Old Testament, you will see over and over and over again that the Lord beckons his people to build memorial altars, build up a pile of rocks to remind the children of Israel that they've passed through the Red Sea and they've passed through the Jordan. Remember what happened? They said, we're building these stones so that when the children ask, what are these for? You can recount to them God's faithfulness. So too with us. I have a tendency when I journal in the morning to when I am so superly blessed by something that I'm reading and meditating on and it just blesses my heart and soul, I have a tendency to draw. I draw an altar and I draw the smoke and I draw the verse and I write out scripture and I praise the Lord in building my memorial in my journal. You may do something different. The key is remembering, triggering that memory. The other thing that we have to be careful of is to avoid the junk food, meaning avoid the junk food of our old fleshly nature, that nature that wants to rise up, cut off the things of heaven, that joy. It wants to rob you of your joy so you don't remember it. It wants to distract you into the hardships of humanity so you become filled with the things that plague the government or plague the, the, the nations. And you become preoccupied with that. And it drives that anger in you or that frustration in you or that criticism in you. You've got to be careful of things. Those are junk food. And then Skip also said that we should be faithful to feed on the truth. And that's found in verse 2. It says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. All right. So let's break these down. Okay. And let's see what we can, can glean from these passages. So let's start with being mindful because it's helpful to put the first things first and that is to praise God and worship God and acknowledge his faithfulness and the things that he has done for us. He is gracious. If you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, put aside the bad stuff. Have you experienced that God is gracious in the way that he's dealt with you? Do you remember what it was like to walk in the lusts of our flesh, to be obedient to our fleshly lusts, whether it was the pride of life, look what I've attained, look who I am, or whether it was the lust of the eyes, where there, there were things in the world that you craved and wanted, that lust, or if it was the lust of the flesh, what do I want to eat, what do I want to do, how do I want to feel, those are all earthly appetites and have absolutely no eternal value whatsoever. But the moment that you recognized how far you were from the things of God, how far into unrighteousness you had traveled, once you realized that Christ came into humanity, he loved the broken, he loved the hurting, he loved the lost, as a parent, 
watches its child run into the danger zone and thinks nothing of it but chases that child to rescue that child from danger. That's what God has done for us in Christ. He wants a righteous relationship with us. And he came to pay the cost for our sin that we might be clothed with his robes of righteousness and be reunited with the Lord through his spirit that guides us into all truth. Do you remember that day? Do you remember that surrender? Do you remember that filling of the Holy Spirit when you confessed your sin, when you repented? Most of us, I pray, have been baptized. We've done that outward expression of an inward dying to self and arising again in the newness of life, following hard after Jesus. That's God's grace. That's all God's grace. And every day he pours out that grace to us. We need to remember that. If you can, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And let's look at verse 12 through 14. It said, In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Do you remember how that felt to know that you were now a child of the kingdom of God and that his faithfulness never fails? He is faithful to complete what he began in you. God's grace. We need to be mindful of God's grace. Be mindful of his answered prayers. Be mindful of those times where you cried out to him and he faithfully showed up. You'd open the Bible and wham, there's a scripture that would jump off the page and minister to your deepest woe that you had just cried out for. The radio, you're listening to a sermon and it's as if the pastor is speaking directly to you addressing the issues you just brought before the, the throne of God the night before, the day before, the moment before. That's God. He's faithful. Remember that. Be mindful of that. He never fails. Taste the Lord and see that he is good. Now, the second thing we want to look at is verse one. We need to be careful again to avoid that old fleshly lust junk food. Remember, we're babes desiring the milk of the word. We're going to get to that in just a second. Therefore, we don't want contamination. We want the pure word of God to help us grow. We want to be nourished. Now, you know, when you sit down to a meal, you need a balanced meal. But you also know that if you go out to eat at a restaurant, the first thing they bring to the table generally is a loaf of bread. 
what happens? You devour, you devour that loaf of bread, and then when the balanced meal comes, you've pretty much filled up and almost can't enjoy the meal you just ordered. Or you're hungry, you're running through the grocery store, and instead of getting something nutritious, a piece of fruit. Now remember, as I point one finger at you, I've got three pointing at me. I do this too. We grab a Snickers bar or a candy bar instead of a piece of fruit or something wholesome and good for ourselves. That's what I'm talking about here. When we allow the old man to rise up, we are taking advantage of the non-nutritious food. When really our spirit is desiring the pure milk of the word. Junk food attitudes hinder growth. And malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking is just that. And it deals with the horizontal relationships that we have with our brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as the unbelievers who are watching us. So in verse 1, Peter's listing five junk foods. First one, malice. It's basically ill will. And it starts on the inside and it percolates up until it eventually comes out. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Keep your heart with all, with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. And Luke chapter 6, 45 says, The good person, out of the good treasures of the heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasures, produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. As you can see, this junk food malice is destructive, just like eating junk food. It may taste good, it has no nutritional value, and it will eventually kill you. Second junk food, deceit. That's basically baiting a hook. Fishing is deceitful. We deceive the fish by hiding the hook in the food. It is what we do when we manipulate situations and we manipulate our word to get what we want. It's an overt lie. We cleverly disguise the lie. Be careful of the junk food deceit. The third junk food, hypocrisy. This is indicative of the Greek plays in the olden days where they would pick up masks and they would wear masks. In fact, that's what actors of the day were called, hypocrites, because they were pretending to be something they were not. We need to remember that we need to stay in the light in absolutely everything because that's where we can confidently stand in the knowledge that God is present with us. And his spirit is working all things to the good. His spirit is giving us counsel of truth. We need to stay in the light, walk in the truth, and avoid the temptation of the junk food hypocrisy. The fourth one, envy. Now this is a heart issue. Somebody around you gets blessed. Check your heart. If you have envy, if you have ill will towards this person because they got blessed and you didn't, think about Peter 
on the shores of Galilee, Jesus had just prepared them a fabulous breakfast. And now he's walking with Peter and he's, disclo- he's disclosing to Peter how Peter's life would go and eventually how it would end. And Peter listens and then says, but what about him, Lord? Speaking of John, the apostle John. And Jesus simply says, what is it to you what I do with him? We must be careful of envy because it's idolatry. We are basically saying, God, I want that plan, not the one that you have for me. We are usurping God's authority. God knows exactly why he created us and what he wants to do with us and how we as a thread in his tapestry fit the tapestry to come out the way the master tapestry craftsman wants it done. Shall the clay say to the potter, make me thus and thus? No, we are clay in a master potter's hand. Be careful of the junk food envy. The last one is evil speaking. This is just plainly slander and gossip. It's also cheap shots and backbiting. Are you critical towards somebody else? Do you find yourself having a critical attitude? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 and 3 says, I gave you milk, not solid food, but you are not yet ready for solid food. In fact, you're still not ready, for you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and dissension among you, are you not worldly? Are you not walking in the way of man? We need to trust God completely. Get our eyes off of others in reference to how he is working in their lives. He's working in our lives. He is working equally in each one of our lives because each one of us is equally valid and valuable to him. Be careful of that junk food evil speaking. Worldly behavior hinders our growth by hindering God's work in our life. And the final point, be faithful to feed on the truth. That's verse two. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Babies don't crave fat-free milk or 2% milk. Babies have the, the fastest growth rate of any stage of our life is when we're infants. We grow like mad. We need that full nourishment of mom's milk. And babies crave that kind of food. Peter is beckoning us to remember, to beware, and to be hungry for our own good. But the problem is our sustenance can be polluted by those who seek to water it down or present a low nutritional value. We have to feed on the truth, but there's so many contaminants out there. Example, look in the grocery store. What do you see? Non-GMO, non-pesticide, and non-antibiotic or hormones. The question is, how did those things get in our food supply to start with? Because somebody was not standing guard over the truth. 
we have to recognize there are wolves in sheep's clothing. Satan himself comes as a being of light. So the question is, how do we know the counterfeit from the truth? A bank teller training to be a bank teller does not, he doesn't train with counterfeit money. He only trains with the truth that when a counterfeit crosses his fingers, they know instantly there is something wrong here. And they investigate to find out the truth. We need to deal only in the truth. And it's going to be the truth that will set us free from all of the deceptions, all of the deceit, all of the ways and manners of the enemy who only wants to take us down. Devotionals are good, but they are not the full counsel of God. We need to study God's word from Genesis to Revelation, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Why? As somebody who has been blessed to have gone through God's word several times, especially with my pastor Chuck and now with pastor Terry, when you get the full counsel of God, all of a sudden you get the puzzle box in front of you. The cover of the puzzle box is now in front of you. You see the whole picture of what it's all going to look like when it's finished. And as you get all the puzzle pieces, some clump together perfectly, then you start moving them around and you get the borders done and you move in and you start getting all the pieces put together. That's what knowing the full counsel of God is like versus only having one or two extraneous pieces, looking them at them and wondering how they possibly fit together. Get the cover of the box by reading from Genesis to Revelation. How does an athlete or a student or a worker succeed? Because they have a passionate commitment. They have a desire, a craving, and a yearning to do their very best. Be faithful to feed daily at God's banqueting table. In 2 Timothy chapter 3.16, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us what is right. So here's my question. If you were to rate yourself from 1 to 10, your appetite, would you say it's 1 mild or 10 passionate or somewhere in between? And my exhortation is, examine yourself today. Really, honestly, nobody's watching. Well, the Lord's watching. But be honest before him. Figure out where you're at in your devotional life with him. Where you're at in reading his word. Are you meditating on it or is it just fast food? Are you taking that time to sit? I know there's many plans out there that read, says, read this, read this, read this, read this, and get through the Bible in one year. What gives you a full balanced meal is when you read God's word. Yes, you want to read it consecutively, Genesis to Revelation, of course. But it's when you're reading and you're pondering and you're meditating 
on the verses. You're taking what goes into your head and you're allowing through slow meditation, through thinking about it, pondering and praying and talking to God about it, you're allowing it to filter down into your heart. Psalm 119 says, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Meaning that I'll be a well-rounded, maturing, growing up Christian because I'm thinking about what I'm reading. So saints, be mindful of what the Lord has given you. Be careful of the junk food and be faithful to feed on the truth. Don't eat the junk food. It will take away your spiritual appetite. Some Christians have the philosophy of, I'll show up and occupy the seat. Thus they can say, I went to church. Others will dress up, show up, and listen up. Therefore they can say, I listened to the sermon. But take it one step further. Go to church. Listen to the sermon. Do your morning devotional. Spend, spend time with the God you are growing in a relationship with and grow up in his word. You can be a spiritual giant. It's directly proportionate to your desire to be with the Lord, to know the Lord, and to righteously love the Lord. Next week, we're going to be talking about living stones and the cornerstone. Till then, may the Lord richly bless your week. Excited to be back in the word with you. Till then, be blessed. For more information about Kendra Martin and Hope of Our Calling, you can email her at kendramartinministries at gmail.com or visit the website at www.hopeofourcalling.org. Thank you.